the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, USA, Today, USA Today's NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals, and we're on episode 468, the third show of our week four um, schedule. Seth Cox and I uh, reviewed our game against the Cowboys on Tuesday night uh, and recorded as well our, our Cardinals 49ers preview for this week as the Cardinals are on the road in week four facing the 49ers for the first divisional game of the year but this is our this is our guest show and friend of the friend of the program Kyle Madsen from NinersWire.com the NFL, the the USA Today NFL wire site over there um, Kyle's been on the show a few times doing previews for the opponent previews in the offseason but we've got him back to talk about the matchup this week Kyle thanks for coming on yeah, man. Anytime. You hit me up. I'm in here. I'll talk about <laughs> the Lions if you want me to. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> that that would be that would be like you know the Lions aren't, just, aren't bad to talk about at least this I year. I know, man. They're 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 kind of fun. <laughs> but so 49ers on, not unexpectedly three and zero to start the year. They've scored thirty points a game, literally thirty points exactly in each of their yeah. first three games. They they are scoring the ball. They are incredibly efficient. They are playing great defense. Is is there anything unexpected that what we've seen out of the 49ers so far this year? Not really. The You know what? Yes, actually. Yeah. They've been notoriously slow starters under Kyle Shanahan, save for the, the 2019 season. But I picked them to lose week one in Pittsburgh because that's just the kind of early season game they lose. They're traveling across the country. It's a what I thought was going to be a, a good Pittsburgh team, and they're they're just okay. And I, they ended up not only winning that game, but really just controlling it from the outset. It was never it was never close, and I didn't expect it to go that way. And then in in week two, they I don't want to say they struggled with the Rams, but they were tied at halftime, and then really took control of that game in the second half. Although and I, I will, I'll say with that Rams game, I was very pleased with with Sean McVay's decision to kick a field goal at the end of the game for the backdoor cover that was that was that was classic un- i don't i don't know why they did it move. what why why so, so his his logic after the game was basically they didn't want to run a play and get anybody on offense hurt and i kind of respect that like you're gonna eat your four seconds anyways you're not gonna win you're down 10 with four seconds left you can throw a hail mary which maybe matthew stafford gets landed on or maybe puka nakua um, lands funny in the end zone, jumping for a for a hail mary. You know, so, so something weird could happen. I respect just taking the field goal and covering. Good teams win, great teams cover. But, but we all know absolute, this. The Cardinals are three and zero against the spread yep. this year. <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals. Hey, we can get to that. That I have thoughts, but yeah, and then the, and then they went out and, and and throttled the Giants for the most. Part. The Giants game was where was interesting for me though because I really didn't think they played that well, San Francisco. Well, and it was what and, was it twenty to twelve after three quarters, and you're like, oh, close game, but the Giants were playing like garbage. Yeah, the, it was. It, it didn't feel that close, and and the the Niners just weren't playing well offensively. But then you look up and they have thirty points and four hundred and forty <laughs> yards of offense, and they've gone five point seven yards per play, and it's like, what the? Sure, man. So <laughs> I, I I'm 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 I've been optimistic. I'm not typically super optimistic 
about this team just because the quarterback situation has been what it's been. But given that I think they're going to play better down the stretch like they have in, in previous years, that they've started 3-0 and and just kind of dominated these games leads me to be a little more optimistic about them than I've, than I've been in the past. How impactful has Christian McCaffrey been since he was acquired last year into the potential of having him like, let's hope he's like, uh, I, I mean, from the Cardinals fan, there's, there's a quiet hope that he's not healthy all year. <laughs> sure. And, and I, and I hate to say that like have him, you know, like, you know, slight calf strain, nothing major, but no, but, but the, sure. but the potential of having Christian McCaffrey, that run game was already a top schemed running game in the NFL. And then you add probably the most talented running back in the NFL when it comes to entire skill set. And mm-hmm. you guys have had good running game. Like when you're getting production from Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida and, and Elijah yeah. Mitchell and, and literally everyone except for Trey, Trey Sermon. Uh, <laughs> Poor Trey. <laughs> what is it? What is it meant to have just an absolute stud at back? It's, it's, it's so I don't want to I, I don't want to disparage Brock Purdy here, but a lot of Brock Purdy's success is because of Christian McCaffrey. And that's not to say that that Purdy is is bad or anything because I, I think he's fine. But like last year, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing the best football of his career when he got hurt. And that was because of Christian McCaffrey having that outlet as a pass as a as a as a as a quarterback, knowing that. Hey, uh, blitz bearing down. This could be a, a sack that takes him from second and five to third and twelve. Oh, there's Christian McCaffrey, and now not only is it not a sack, but he takes his pass in the flat and turns it into a ten yard gain and a first down. That's just a massive, massive difference for an offense. And he's not been as as impactful as a as a receiver this year from a number standpoint. But when he swings out into the flat or he lines up in the slot and runs an out or runs a slant, it draws so much attention from the defense that it it, it leaves Brandon Ayuk wide open. It leaves Debo Samuel wide open or George Kittle or whomever. And so Purdy's been excellent in the intermediate areas of the field. He's completing like more than 85% of his passes so, from 10 to so 19 it's yards. still, still like scrimmage. last year. Didn't you say it was something like 80%? Um, yeah. Just such and, a he's, fluky, but, and he's maintaining that this year. He's improved it. <laughs> wow. And and I think it's it's and that's not because Brock Purdy is this electric passer. He's fine. But it's because when Christian McCaffrey floats to the flat, there's a corner that's gonna stay there, there's a linebacker that's moving that way, and there's a safety with eyes on him. And meanwhile, Brandon Ayuk is cutting open in the middle of the field for 14 yards. Like it's just because you have to respect number 23. So um, that's where McCaffrey has has really been impactful for the Niners offense. But honestly, I don't want to I don't want to say I overlooked him as a runner, but I kind of did because everything I I thought he would be was like, oh, he'll do all this stuff for their passing game. Their running game's been fine, but he's an e- just an elite elite running back who creates yards that this offense doesn't necessarily create. And when you when you put those two things together, I mean, he's leading the league in rushing by like 80 plus yards, and that's not just the scheme. He's an unbelievably talented player, yeah. and like I said, for for everything good that Brock Purdy has done, this Niners offense is averaging 30 plus a game over its last, I think, eight 
or, or nine regular season and, games. And the only of, game they've lost was when they were down to no quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's insane. And I'm not, that's insane. But, but well, and, and I look at, because, like, the Cardinals have had, a, have, a lot, have had a lot of success running the ball early in the year, and they're getting really good production from mm-hmm. James Commoner, who's number four in the league right now in rushing. Really good but, player. But, like, the success of their running game is only partially because of him. They are also getting, they, they've also had explosive plays by Hollywood Brown, by Rondell Moore in the run game, Joshua Dobbs uh, from the quarterback position. And you look at the running, the running production from the 49ers of their 488 total rushing yards after three games. That's absurd. Um, 353 <laughs> of it come from McCaffrey. And like everyone else is just, it's just spelling him and hasn't been the big plays. The Cardinals have gotten mm-hmm. explosive plays from other players in the run game and have been steady with Connor. It's been pretty much Christian McCaffrey who's producing all of that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, a little bit of I don't want to say a problem, but it could become a problem. They need to and they figured this out a little bit against the Giants, but Elijah Mitchell had had 5 carries in week 1, he only played 10 snaps in week 2 he didn't play at all. And then in week three, he finally, he was getting in for like a series and then he got in and I think the, the first series of the game and they really started using him to spell McCaffrey. And I think, I think Mitchell had 28 snaps and had 14 touches. It's like, that's more, I think the distribution that, that they're going to want because Elijah Mitchell is a, a a good player. Like you want to get the ball in his hands, especially on those outside zones, but then B you need to take some of the workload off Christian McCaffrey right. because that that workload is not sustainable if you want him to be as effective as possible come January, which is where this team has its eyes set. Right. Brock Purdy. Um, interestingly, like he, he's been more than adequate and he mm-hmm. does have flaws. Uh, he misses throws. However, it appears that his strength happens to be perfect for this system because of his ability to be incredibly efficient in the intermediate throws. It creates so much stress on opposing defenses because then you have to have the safeties creep up, uh, which, you know, if they creep up too quickly, then you've got a deep throw down the field. Um, you've got to drop guys a little bit more, which opens up the running game. And it, it, so for, for as potentially lim- the, the limitations that Purdy has as, as a player, his ability to be not only good but great, and in, in, in you talked, you told me in the off season, you had no idea, like you, you felt that that was a fluky stat, but the fact that he's able to maintain eighty plus percent completion percentage in intermediate throws, that's incredible, and and I don't know how you defend that. He's nineteen of twenty one this year. That's ninety and a half percent. Holy cow! It's unbelievable. It, but he so there's. Again, I don't want to overstate this because I, I, I'm really on board with the idea that they could have this ceiling that just doesn't allow them in a playoff game to go blow for blow with Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or whatever quarterback they're eventually going to run into. Like I, 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 That's on the table. And they could very easily be sitting here in a couple of years with Brock Purdy going, well, in the same spot they were with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2021 <laughs> when they drafted Trey Lance. Like That's there. But he does a couple of little things better than Jimmy Garoppolo did that I think raises their ceiling, even if he's not as talented from just a physical standpoint as, as Garoppolo was. 
A, he doesn't throw blind interceptions into the middle of the field like Garoppolo did. B, he throws the ball away. There there were so many times the Niners would get into second and short and then they'd wind up in third and long because Garoppolo took a bad sack because he wouldn't get rid of the get rid of the football. Or he'd throw it into a window that wasn't there and it would get intercepted. Purdy is also very good at creating plays out of structure where he navigates the pocket and maybe gets outside and keeps his eyes up the field. That, that's something he was good at last year and he's continued to be good at it this year. And again, he's not elite. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not he's not a top 10 quarterback or anything. But the bar, the Niners have lowered the bar so far for their quarterback play with how good their roster and their offensive scheme are that he has cleared that bar in a way that, that other quarterbacks they've had haven't been able to. So I... I think the ceiling on their offense is higher than it's ever been under under Kyle Shanahan. Now, is it high enough to compete with an elite quarterback come postseason? TBD. But well, and, for and now, I, it, it's working. It depends on a lot of like is McCaffrey healthy? Can they continue to produce that way? And then on the de- we haven't been talking right. about the defensive side of the ball, where they've got five interceptions in three games now, only eight sacks and of that only one is from Nick Bosa Um, Mm. and so he hasn't rounded out in the form but what is going well for the defense and how is it fair that you guys were able to get Javon Hargrave when they already had elite play from on all three levels it's I I think that's something the league should have been able to like veto like in (laughs) fantasy you can veto these trades or signings no you can't do that well if if the Eagles are going to be allowed to do everything they've done with drafting Jalen Carter yeah, and, keep, and Nolan. Get, keep getting all the Georgia players. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So <laughs> you put a limit on how many players you can have from the SEC. <laughs> it, it, the, it, signing Javon Hargrave le- legitimately was what the Niners needed to do, I think, to keep up. And he's been as advertised. He is ridiculous. There's two or three plays a game where it just looks like he didn't get blocked. And you think, oh, wow, somebody blew an assignment. And then you watch the replay and they didn't blow an assignment. They just whiffed. So he's been as advertised. That's opened things up in the middle for Eric Armstead, who's a good player in his own right. And then Nick Bosa has been, you can see it. He just had, he, he didn't have, he didn't have a preseason. Right. He, he sat out. So he didn't get any football reps till September. He signed on Thursday before the season started. He jogged around at practice a little bit Thursday. They do walkthroughs on Friday. And then he played in a game on Sunday. And the Niners had five consecutive three and outs on defense. So they wanted him to play 30 to 40 snaps. He wound up playing 35, but he played all 15 snaps to open the game, but he didn't, they weren't on the field consistently for him to like <laughs> build up that conditioning. And so he, he was fine in week one. He was just okay. Week two, again, just okay. And then, and then last week he finally gets a sack, but you can see it. The pr- pressures are, are still there for him. Well, and uh, he's still a really good run worry. defender. As long as he's, you don't worry about him. His his yeah. talent is incredible. No, he's, now there's Drake Jackson. at some point there's Drake Jackson. Yeah, he's a uh, complete disappointment last year from what you told me. And look he, at that, three sacks in three games. Yeah, well, he had all three were in week one, <laughs> but it was a perfect it was a perfect encapsulation of what the Niners need from Drake Jackson, and that is uh, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, blow up the pocket, quarterbacks running around. Drake Jackson, crazy good athlete, go chase him down. Go finish that playoff. Because I don't think he's at a point as a pass rusher where he's just going to go win one-on-one. Like, he, he will sometimes. But you can't just line him up and say, okay, Drake, go get the quarterback. But 
he has a really high motor and he's a great athlete. And I think that he's going to be able to rack up some sacks just by virtue of, of cleanup from, from what the other players kind of, kind of, uh, create it's perfect like marcus golden when when he was first with the cardinals and and actually marcus golden is a perfect secondary pass rusher he -hmm. cleans up sacks Mm -hmm. because they run away from other guys and yeah when when you play with like marcus golden's his his motor is incredible i don't know if that's the case with jackson too so all you have to have is a modicum of athleticism and a motor that doesn't quit and when you're with talent like that on the field you're going to get guys coming your way yeah and i think jackson kind of realized that and he's just he's just a freak athlete. He he bats down uh he had a couple of plays in the preseason where uh I think it was was it the Chargers try to just like little screen a wide receiver screen and Jackson just recognized it and got out got up field and just jumped and knocked it down and then they tried to run it again and he almost intercepted it. So he's he's a you know the athleticism's there, the motor's there. It's just going to be a matter of you know how how impactful are, are the other rushers and and are they getting to the quarterback first? You've got still got the incredible duo of Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. You've got capable cornerbacks Travis Ward, Diamador, Lenore, you know Ambry Thomas, Isaiah Oliver, who's have who's a little bit resurgent this year, and then your mm-hmm. safeties are fantastic. I mean, are there weaknesses in this defense at all? Yeah, I think their cornerback situation uh, is still a little suspect for me. I, Isaiah Oliver was a mess. I, I, I didn't in our last. Well, I, it changed a little bit, but it's because of some some stuff I heard. But I was ready to not put Isaiah Oliver on the fifty three man roster. He was that bad in the preseason, and they signed him to be their starting nickel. And then they're talking about oh, they're going to rotate nickels, and he can do this role and that role. And I was like, <laughs> okay, he's going to be on the team, but man. That's I, I don't love it. But then in week two against the Rams, he had the three biggest defensive plays of the game. He came up with a huge third down stop. He grabbed an interception and then he came up with a fourth down stop on a, on a run play. And then he had another nice pass breakup last week. And it, and all of a sudden it looks like he's just going to be their nickel corner and be the player that they were hoping for, which allows Diamador Lenore to move outside. And I think he's better there than he is in the slot. So uh, they're, they're fine at corner. But if they run into a situation where the pass rush isn't working, you don't feel great about Diamador Lenore and Isaiah Oliver running around in the in the secondary trying to cover guys for for three four seconds. How has moving on from Robbie Gould to go to Jake Moody? How has the rookie been so far? Cash, he's been <laughs> unreal. He couldn't make a kick in the preseason, honestly. So so. <laughs> The wildest thing. So I, I, it's part I, of the process. It's just part of his. It's part <laughs> of his preparation process, probably. Well, they drafted him 99th, oh, oh, which yeah. is insane. That's bonkers. <laughs> so, so the the take for for me was, yo, this guy's got to be Justin Tucker. Like he's just got to be out out the gate, awesome. And then he comes out in his first preseason game, misses his first two kicks. Next preseason game, misses an extra point, makes a game winning field goal, but like snuck it just inside the upright. <laughs> And and then he got hurt, and he didn't play in the final week of the preseason. And he was rehabbing basically all the way up until the season opener. And in practice, just doing short, you know, 30 to 35 yards. And I honestly think, and I, and I said this at the time, that, that I thought that was going to be good for him because it allowed him to get out of his head of what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong, and just focus on rehab and focusing on just kicking the ball again without a quad strain. And he's come in. He hasn't missed a field goal. 
He's been down the middle with everything. He hasn't missed an extra point. And one of his field goals is 57 yards, and he drilled it in, in, in week two. So I, I'm I'm super, super impressed with Jake Moody, especially given how bad he was in the preseason. Well, so and the way he good, played, the way for, he played the in college, he, he, he should have been an absolute lock to be great in the pros, as good as he was in college. But we've seen... We've seen scores of great college kick, like should be great in the pros, and then they're just a mess. So right, right. But yeah, coming up next on the Rise Up Seward podcast, Mister Cardinals talk a little. Let's talk more specifically about this matchup. Where do they match up well? Where what struggles maybe will the 49ers have with the Cardinals, if any? That's coming up next on Rise Up Seward. We're back on the Rise of Sea podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. So we've talked about what we know about the 49ers from Kyle's perspective, covering the team on a daily basis. Um, how do they match up against the Cardinals? The Cardinals, the perspective on them coming into the season, they were going to be a terrible team. I never bought that narrative completely. I thought they would be better mm-hmm. than that. Um, I can confidently say I think that they're a good, bad team. And they're fairly close to being mediocre and or a bad good team they just haven't learned to do things and I think one of those will if you know if a healthy Kyler Murray comes back I think this will be a dangerously competitive team they're not going to threaten for the playoffs but they'll be a dangerously competitive team as of right now they're a very well coached scrappy team that's not making many mistakes where do you see the 49ers having any struggles at all against a team that is on paper highly overmatched talent wise I don't know if the Niners are going to be able to block the Cardinals. I I I think the Cardinals pass rush has been really really good this year. And that's something that and and not only are they I I think I think better than than I and I think a lot of people expected, but the the way like specifically against Dallas, they just try their asses off. Their yes. rear ends off, sorry. They it's just try right. their rear ends off. We can say asses. And it's fine. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I wasn't, uh, no, they just try really, really hard. And there's something to be said for that. It's not to, to diminish them because there's a lot of guys who try hard and don't produce, but they're maximizing this coaching staff is maximizing what they're getting out of this group that does not have a ton of big names like Dennis Gardick and, and, uh, Victor DiMichegi. Like that's your two leading edge rushers. That's what's happening now. And they're just good. It's not like they're accidentally falling into pressures and sacks. So I think the Niners offensive line is definitely a little bit suspect. And if if the Cardinals are going to be able to get home without bringing extra pressure and force Brock Purdy to make quick decisions where he's not reading a blitz, that that could that could expose, I think, I think some of the flaws in the Niners passing game. So I I'm definitely of the mind like when you go when you go look at the line on this game and it's like 14, 14 points. points? Like, come on. It, that feels like a that feels like a sucker line though. That feels like something that where I'm missing something. Like I want to I want to hammer the Cardinals <laughs> plus the fourteen. Well, but it's like it's like that that's it's like that's what Vegas wants me to do. <laughs> Maybe it is. Well, and, and, and I understand some of the things is when you get so the the last three games when you get nationally backed teams like mm-hmm. the Giants, Cowboys, and Niners those spreads are naturally going to be a little bit inflated against a team right. that has literally no national backing at all. So there's right. there's nobody that's out always betting the Cardinals. That I don't think those people exist. So naturally it goes that <laughs> way. But, but it, it, at least 
I agree with you for that side of the offensive line. Zayvon Collins against Trent Williams. Sorry, Zayvon. You, you, the best you're going to be able no, to do fair. is to hold up in the run game, maybe. But yes, the right side. The, there's one area where I'm super intrigued to see what the Cardinals can do. It's against the uh, Colton McKivitz um, and see what both McKagey, Gardeck, Cameron Thomas, whoever they have on that other side of the mm-hmm. edge will do. Uh, I worry um, because the Cardinals keep losing defensive linemen that they'll, they just run out of horses in the middle. I, I know that you have, there's I mean, probably like both guys on the right side of the offensive line are your biggest question marks, but we've lost when we lost LJ Collier, we lost Dick, Carlos Watkins and now uh, Jonathan Ledbetter now has missed a couple days of practice with a finger injury, hoping he's not going to miss that game, but Cardinals are just running out of defensive linemen. And so that interior is, unless Kaiser White plays the game of his life, which he kind of had last week it's going to be rough defending Christian McCaffrey there yeah and I think that's just kind of the case for for every defense right and that's where you could see the Niners like when you go oh they're favored by 14 it's like that's kind of <laughs> that's, where that's where it is where things get ugly if you can't if you can't adequately cover in the middle of the field and in those short and intermediate areas especially with your linebackers like that's that's where Kyle Shanahan is going to put a circle around somebody and say number, you know, 52 or whoever it is, like this is the guy and we're going to put him in conflict again and again and again, and he's not going to be able to figure it out. And that's how they wind up with 30 points. But again, a good pass rush blows a lot of that, a lot of that up. So I'm, I'm one of the people that sits here and even before, you know, coming on this podcast, Kyle Shanahan said it yesterday. And I I totally agree with him. The the Cardinals could very easily be three and all right like should it's be. Not, yeah, it's not, it, and it's be. not even, it's not uh, even a stretch. It's not even well, like they had a twenty-one okay. point lead against the Giants. They choked. They just absolutely choked that, that game away. Yeah. That was the, the the Washington game. Dobbs was terrible, and and his He's two really fumbles bad. gave that up. Like that was yeah. that on Dobbs. Yeah. But I'm okay. I didn't. That was their first week. He'd been on the team for like ten days. Right They're on the road, and but yeah. they, there's no way they should have blown that lead against the Giants because look. We thought maybe, okay, the Giants are coming around. They look terrible in week one. What did they do against you? They look terrible. So it was just the Cardinals just let the Giants look amazing for two quarters, and they've played 10 terrible quarters of football out of 12 that they played. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't even the whole third quarter. It was no. like it was, it was a quarter like, and a half they of played, good play. They played, they played 20 good minutes. <laughs> no, so, oh so you look at you, the Arizona to me is like four plays from being 3-0. And and it might be more than that, but it, there are a few plays from being three and zero. So I I don't I but they I think were, that I mean, honestly the first two weeks were the their two of their most winnable games for like the first half of the season, and that's what, yeah when they I thought they would win one I thought they would win one of those games then they'd get the doors blown out against Dallas and San Francisco and and Cincinnati Kyler comes yeah. back in week since and they're competitive from there on out but. Yeah, when they lost that Giants game, I was like, we looked at the schedule and was like, will they win a game before week 11? <laughs> what they do, yeah. they go out and beat the Cowboys. I'm like, I don't know. It makes me sound like a moron. but No, it, it, the the thing about the Cowboys game that was so impressive to me, and, and I, on, I, I believe that it's actually probably a benefit for the 49ers that, that Arizona played as well as they did because they're not going to throw their helmets on the field and, and try and win. <laughs> and and which would be insane because this core group did that same thing against Colt McCoy and got punched in the mouth yeah. uh back in what was that week seven of, of 2021 oh so God. or oh, week yes. nine 
nine, I think. But whatever it was, it, you would think they would never overlook the Cardinals again. But I think it probably benefits the 49ers because that wasn't a fluke like, oh, Dallas turned it over six times and missed a field goal and there was a muffed punt. It was like, nah, Cardinals just beat them, man. I will say this. better. Like, that was crazy. Mike McCarthy was an idiot. And well, he was playing that fourth quarter like they were up by 12 points. The way they were playing. I had the calling plays. I had the Cowboys in Survivor, in my Survivor pool. And I'm sitting here watching, and that's fine. I I don't expect to win a star. I won my survivor pool last year, which was which was great. And I I figure I'll win it once, and I've I've done it now. But I'm sitting there, and, and like low key for the 49ers, like you're rooting for the Cardinals because the Cowboys are are you know a top seed in the NFC. And so I see the Cardinals, you know, sneak. I'm like, okay, look at them go. So I turn the game on, and then McCarthy with like six minutes left, it's like run for run inside for a gain of four, huddle up. Run inside for a gain of four. Huddle up. It's like, do you understand what's happening here, my guy? And then they finally throw it, and Dak throws a pick. It's like, this is just perfect. This is just, they're peaking. They're in playoff form. Good for the Cowboys. I <laughs> I was I was, <laughs> oh my <gosh>. flabbergasted <laughs> at the mismanagement at the end of that game. I just don't understand why Mike McCarthy, who's, who's bungled uh, <laughs> how many games in his career, looked at his team last year and went, you know what I need to do? Take on more responsibilities and call plays. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, just brutal. And considering the quarterback they have and the receivers that they have going against the secondary, they don't have no, there's no Buddha Baker. It's a fifth round rookie, Keytro Clark, uh, going against Michael Gallup. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. It, the, whatever mismanaged mismanaged the cardinals took care of business yes. um i think that if i look at also one area that i think that the cardinals might be able to have success and that's where you talked about the cornerbacks the cardinals have a decently talented like okay we'll say hollywood brown talented michael wilson mm-hmm. their their rookie third round pick guy um surprisingly productive so far and while it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding. So if the Cardinals can somehow get moderate production in the run game, then and avoid massive pressure on Josh Dobbs, which is going to be a task that they can make a few plays on the outside. Wilson's had a few nice plays. Hollywood, Hollywood is a, is a solid number one option in the NFL, and and they're starting to use him that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm. I'm I've got to come around still on Hollywood Brown. I'm not all the way there yet. But it's definitely like James Conner is one of those is one of those players that when when he comes in and you're facing him, it's like that guy could change a game by himself. Whether it's taking a screen and, and turning it into a seventy yeah. yard touchdown or like the Niners have just done a really good job at, at limiting explosive plays. I think they've That's, only given up five plays of twenty plus yards. And they all year. had five of those, I think, last week against the against the Cowboys. Yeah, so so that's where, like, I'm not necessarily worried about Hollywood Brown making. Now, here's the play I can envision in my head: Josh Jobs scrambling a little bit, Talanoa Hufanga gets way over aggressive and flies up, and Hollywood Brown's just wide open down the field. I saw that happen three or four times last year. So maybe something like that goes down. But James Conner is the is the guy that I circle because it's like you just a screen and he takes it 70 yards or 
Um, it's it's second and, and 11, and they hand it to him, and he turns it into a third and one. It, it's just he's a really, really high-quality player that I just don't think there's a ton of good matchups for. You know, Fred Warner is is really good, and Dre Greenlaw is really good, and, and we know all that, but James Conner is, is I don't want to say matchup-proof necessarily, but he's just... He's not a guy that you can go, okay, Fred Warner, you're going to take care of him, and he's just going to take him out of the game. Like you just, That's not going to work. Yeah. 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 Um, any I, – I look at the like the overwhelming matchup is always Trent Williams against whoever because he's just a stud at left tackle. Um, I, am, I always love DJ Humphreys versus Nick Bosa because DJ has, for the most part, has had Nick's number. Um, DJ's a little bit older now. He's coming off a back mm-hmm. injury, but yeah, I think Bosa's three sacks, only one of them has come against Humphreys in the many times that they've matched up. So hmm. it'll be interesting to see Bosa rounding into form this week, ideally going against Humphreys, who's really matched up well against him. And then of course, if they flip him sides, he's got the rookie Paris Johnson. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be a fun matchup that way too, if they swap, swap sides at all. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, Bosa will move around definitely, uh, especially if if he's getting worked by somebody, he will pack up his stuff and try the other <laughs> side. Like that is, <laughs> I mean, that why, is not but, something he's afraid why, to do. Why keep trying to do this? Because you've got this elite pass rusher. If he's having, like, let's make it easier. Yeah, and, and so it, it'll be interesting to see if maybe they try and do something creative. Uh, they haven't, they haven't, done, they do, you know, their games and stunts and stuff, but we haven't seen them do anything with like like Drake Jackson and Nick Bosa lined up on the same side or, or lining Nick Bosa up, you know, next to Javon Hargrave, like in the same gap. And they did that a lot with, with D Ford when, when he was around and healthy. So um, yeah, if you can, I mean, we've seen it with this defense time and time again, if you can limit Nick Bosa, you can, you can really make life easy on your offense. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. Let's make our picks predictions for this game. That's coming up next on Rise Up Red. We're back on the Rise of Red podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web with Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire. Um, this game with the 14-point spread is kind of crazy, although, I mean, it could, they could very easily get away from the Cardinals, especially if they, if they don't score points early. Luckily, the Cardinals have been able to score points early in every game. In fact, they've led at halftime. They've, they've won the halftime money line each and every week. <laughs> Not that we can count on that every week. But they've started fast, and I think if there's if there's one way to be able to remain competitive in this game, score points early, and if they sell out against the run, I've seen it happen. It happened a couple of years ago with Cliff Kingsbury. They got up a score, ten points. They sold out against the run, and then Shanahan gave up on the run completely. Only they only had like thirty three rushing yards for the game, and they, that was like twelve attempts. And that's like mm-hmm. that's probably the only way to do it is you get. A, get a more than a score up and you completely sell out against the run and not and in, in, in that case. But then after that, I don't think the Cardinals have the horses to keep up with that. And I also don't think that we can count on them holding the 49ers to, you know, one score, one touchdown in five mm-hmm. red zone spots. Yeah, that's the, the Niners haven't been great in the red zone this year necessarily, but I definitely think if they make it five times, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna only see one touchdown. It wouldn't shock me though if the Cardinals were kept it really close at the half, maybe tied, maybe they do have some kind of lead. But the Niners are so good at adjusting at halftime, 
and I know that teams don't make like sweeping changes, but just like little things that maybe the Cardinals are doing defensively that that the Niners are going to attack differently, or 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 vice versa. So I'm with you. I don't I don't know if if Arizona could could keep up for four quarters if the 49ers are doing anything but uh, you know stagnating entirely, kind of like Dallas did. But maybe, I mean, maybe Arizona just kind of showed who they were last week and they're going to, they're going to punch above their weight all year. Uh, but I, I, you know, outside of outside, outside of going, yeah, maybe I just, I don't see a ton of pass to victory for, for the Cardinals. If the Cardinals, if the Niners are playing even a, a C game. That said, I think that the Cardinals will be, will keep this game to where they're threatening. The 49ers will basically, at least for the second half, I think they will probably be in control the entire game or, or at least the yeah. entire second half. But the Cardinals will be on the threat, like right there on the edge of threatening. So I don't think it'll be a big blowout. And while I've, I actually, my final score prediction, I, I, and you will see this for when you publish Behind Enemy Lines, and the 49ers are still going to get 30 points and they're going to hit exactly 30 points for the fourth straight week. And it's, and it's a double-digit win. It's just they don't cover the spread. It's 30-20. I think, I think that's a reasonable thing. The, the 49ers basically control the <laughs> game, but the Cardinals are threatening throughout. So it's never – the Cardinals don't get embarrassed. It's, it's – they're never it, – the, the wheels never fall off. They're just undermanned. They're just, they just don't quite have enough. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit what happened with the Rams. That's almost but exactly, I don't, exactly I, how that exactly. I don't how that game see went. Jonathan Gannon pulling the, the last second field goal. To, uh, <laughs> I don't think he does uh, that. It's funny you said thirty to twenty because I have a very similar score. I have twenty seven seventeen. So I I I, I think the Cardinals are going to do some some things defensively that that mess with Purdy early on, and I, I think maybe the Niners get out to a little bit of a slow start before they before they pull away. So. I'm I'm right there with you though. A uh, uh, comfortable win where the Niners control it, but by no means is it. Oh wow! Look, the cards got steamrolled. Nope. They they prove once again that they're not a terrible team, but a decent bad team. Which I think when you when you're when you're starting Josh Dobb at quarterback, I don't know if you could expect much more Dude, than that. He's been so impressive. I've been blown away by Josh so, Dobbs, man. I was so flabbergasted by that trade. Like, okay. You're trading for a guy who's done literally nothing his entire career. And, and I get Colt McCoy was washed up. He couldn't do it. And yeah, yeah. what's funny, Jonathan Gannon, without saying Colt was washed up, said he was washed up. It's like, I don't think there was anything Colt didn't show up. He showed us everything. And they still cut him. And they're paying him two and a quarter million dollars <laughs> to have him not on the roster because that much money was guaranteed. <laughs> so like they said, Oof. he was washed up. And but yeah. I I still thought even a washed up McCoy was going to be a better playmaker than Dobbs and right. and Dobbs has outdone that I I think he's playing at his ceiling I don't think he can play better than he's played the last two weeks and which yeah, means man. like if, if it's going to be a, if it's going to be a uh, if it's going to be a shootout no way we're, we're talking he's playing well and he hasn't cracked two hundred yards passing yet. Yeah, but I mean, man, if you're going to play well defensively and you have a quarterback who's going to create a little bit with his legs, who's not going to turn the ball over, who's going to just be decisive and and accurate, like I'm, that's, I will take that all day. Kyler gets back a healthy Kyler running the same offense, but have a higher ceiling. This team's going to be fun as as long as unless the wheels fall off defensively. 
they're going to be fun later on. They're not going to be good. That, that's the best thing. That's the if you're not going to be good, the best thing you can be is fun. There's yeah. nothing worse than a bad boring. Team. Oh my, been there. That was yeah, last same. year, 2018. Same. Holy crap! I, <laughs> man, and and 2018. I still don't understand this. The Cardinals historically bad, and they still beat the Niners twice. That makes no sense at all. It's it, <laughs> weird. Weird things happen when the Niners and Cardinals play. <laughs> all right, Kyle. You, we know that you guys. And we, Kyle's been on the show enough. Finally, meet Kyle A. Madsen on on Twitter slash X. If you if you're gonna call it that, he's you can find him at Niners Wire. Yeah, I would. What a weird. I'm thing. out. <laughs> it's Twitter. <laughs> but thanks, Kyle, for coming on. That wraps up this edition of the show. We'll be back. I will be back on um, next week with Seth to review what hopefully is not an embarrassment against the 49ers. That's Kyle Madsen. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.